Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, hello, everyone. How's it going tonight? Hey, Sailor. Sailor. Whoa, we have some extra people in the room. Who the hell are these guys? I don't know. They just kind of popped up in my Skype feed. Yeah, got a lot of extra windows open here. Fucking distillers. Actually, we have two really, really cool dudes with us tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Paul. How the hell do you say your last name? <laughs> I should have go. asked. Let go. That's what I thought, but you never know. Uh, we good. have we have Paul Letko, who's founder and master distiller of Fuse Spirits, and Mark Schilling, former president of the Craft Spirits Association and current chair and managing principal of Schilling Crafted. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Hey, you got to give Paul props for being president as well. I'm going to bring it up later. Spoiler alert. I never did as much of a good job as Mark did, so uh, he'll just give him the credit. <laughs> You're all wonderful, equally. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody <laughs> wins. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited that we are going to be talking to these guys about their journey into the spirits industry and about their journey into music. But before we do that... Let's listen to a little music. We are going to get right into our topic tonight without any bullshit and chit chat. So I want to know a little bit more about both of your journeys into your careers in distilling, as well as your roles in the American Craft Spirit Association um, and uh, your journeys into music. So uh, before we get into that, though, we're going to split up our whiskey segment in a little bit and do things different tonight. Matt's going to go around the room and ask us what we're all drinking. And then we'll do the whiskey segment later because it's very, very special tonight. Matt, the floor is yours. Thank you, Sailor. And uh, as always, like you said so eloquently, and as you always say so eloquently, uh, yeah, we, right. do, we do drink <laughs> nothing. Uh, we do nothing yet. Anyway, uh, we do drink on this show. Um you know, and it is metal rock and whiskey after all. Sometimes we drink different things that aren't whiskey. Maybe a little hint, hint there. Uh, but oh. let's go. Yeah. So let's go around the room and find out what everyone's drinking. I guess do. Should we start off with our guests? Yeah, let's start with our guests. Yeah. Let's be nice tonight or act yeah. like we're nice. nice we'll pretend. Yeah, who you want to go first? Paul, you go. Well, uh, since I am unable to drink any of the fine distilled spirits produced by my brother in distillation, uh, I am relying on few spirits. I'm uh, currently drinking one of our limited edition wine finished bourbons. I uh, finished an Italian wine cask from wow. a uh, fantastic super Tuscan winery called BB Grates. Yum. That sounds amazing. I don't recall getting a bottle of that in the mail. <coughs> 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 <But> <coughs> I, 
If there are any left, I could fix that for you. <laughs> Maybe by the time the show airs. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. Mark, how about you? Well, since we are on a show about whiskey and rock, and we have Paul Haletko on with us, I thought it was really only fitting to drink some um, some bourbon. It's bourbon, right? Yeah, bourbon. Uh, Allison Chain's bourbon finished in a tequila barrel uh, from Few Spirits. And Ooh. it is a really, really cool uh, drink. If you haven't had it, you should try and find some before it's all gone. Also, Paul, just for the record, I am advised there may be a few bottles of my gin somewhere in Chicago at a bit. Oh, shit. Oh. Sure, find it. Maybe. Under the Treaty Oak or uh, something? Under no, a... uh, Austin Reserve Revolution. Nice. Uh, excuse me, I'll be back in about... <laughs> <laughs> Washington State gets no love, I'll tell you. We don't you get, get zero love. Oh, I got get... tons of bottles uh, from Washington State around here on backup. Really? Yeah, Washington tons, State got but that. A, but a few. Well, you got few. You even got the Allison Chains uh, few also. Yeah. The Allison yeah. Chains few disappeared. But I mean, I'll find it. But I, I yeah. was a. I mean, few I could find. But um, I try to shop in Idaho because uh, Washington is the highest <laughs> taxes yeah. on uh, spirits, beer, wine in the country. Yep. So I live right over the line at the moment. So, uh, but Idaho can't get shit because it's a control state. So it's a real, it's a real bitch. Yeah, that's, uh, I can't help you there. Yeah, no. Sucks for you. Yeah, sucks for <laughs> me. All right, Matt, how about you? Well, as I hinted at in my, my intro there, I am not drinking whiskey. I You're am drinking, drinking White Claw. I am. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that was me last show. Yes, I took you to the woodshed on that. Okay. <laughs> um, never again. <laughs> but I am drinking also something from Few. I am drinking the Ooh. breakfast the breakfast gin. Ooh. Cheers. I have been yes, I have been dabbling more in the gin. Um and Yay. trying to make my way around a lot of different styles. And I gotta say, Paul, bravo. Stuff is fantastic. Cheers, man. Yep. Yeah, I'm not really into unaged spirits too much, but gin would be my go to if I was going to uh I love a good gin and tonic. I do like sure. to hear that. I love gin. Gin is my set. Well, my third love, I guess. Whiskey first. I'm kind of an Amari freak, and then gin. Gin's my go-to when I'm not drinking brown spirits, though. Fuck vodka. Sorry, <laughs> I just hate it. So rum, rum falls after all that, huh? Surprise. I've never really been into rum. I really? just no? no. I mean, I've had some amazing rum recently, but bleh, uh, nah. Why drink rum when you have whiskey? I don't know. Good. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I am also drinking something from Few, but I'm going to save it for my whiskey pairing. So everyone's just going to have to wait. I know you're all waiting with bated breath, but you're just going to have to hang on a little bit longer (laughs) because I want to speak to our guests first. So, uh, all right, guys, get ready to be interviewed or interrogated. Oh, and if anyone cares, I'm also drinking some few bourbon over here. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you said you were drinking the gin. What the fuck? No, I just meant that I liked the gin out of all the NH spirits. Yes, I am fortunate (laughs) enough to live in uh, 
nephew's backyard here in uh, Illinois, south of Chicago, though not north. Um, so yeah, I just popped down the street and looked on the, the shelf of my local retailer, and they just happened to have this bottle of few uh, bourbon on the shelf. So I nice. snatched that puppy up. And how bourbon. how far away, Ed, was that? I remember you saying, God, it was the distillery is so, so far from you in okay. a discussion that we Well, had. Paul <laughs> can appreciate this. So I am about 45 miles south of Chicago. And Paul is oh, in shit. Evanston on the north side of Chicago. And Chicago traffic is a pain in the ass. So yeah, that's me, uh, two hours? Yeah, we're probably looking at about two hours drive. Hey, so 45 miles south, you're south of Joliet too then, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's far. I yeah, mean, it's two the, hours. The Get stop me from going from, from Austin to visit. See? Well, one of these days I will come for a tour. I promise you that. <laughs> Mark, Mark has been. In his defense, he has been. Yeah, two hours. Come on. I don't have, I mean, I have, I'm lucky that I have Westland and Westward near me, but that's about it. Two All hours. Right. They're not even two hours away. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for sharing what you're drinking tonight, Ed. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad I you asked. I guarantee the traffic's not worse than Miami on Super Bowl weekend. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Seattle traffic is pretty intense. Mm. All right. Enough of this shit. <laughs> Let's get to the interrogation. All right. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you. So I want to oh, go back right. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about how you entered the spirits business. You were a lawyer first. Is that true? I've had a uh, multitude of careers in the past, most of them none particularly successful. Gotcha. Um, but yes, I, was, uh, I did pass one bar one time. I was a lawyer for several years with several, uh, I, several times where I quit to try and find something a little bit better, but never was very good at what I quit to do. Okay. Uh, so ended up coming back more than I, more than I wanted to, but uh, I found something I'm good at finally. Well, spirits is in your blood, right? Yeah, I mean, spirits and beverage alcohol is certainly in my blood, uh, not just you know physically, uh, but also <laughs> on the more <laughs> metaphorical side. Um, and uh, before World War II, uh, before World War II, my grandpa's family owned what's now a major brewery in the Czech Republic. Uh, Nazis uh, stole it when they invaded, uh, murdered the whole family in the camps, and then. Uh, obviously, Grandpa survived, but spent the rest of his life uh, unsuccessfully trying to get it back. Uh, then when he did, uh, I'm sorry, when he died, uh, I figured it was gone unless I did something about it. And so Few is kind of you know, trying to reconnect with that family legacy and history. Um, you know, at the time, I was running a small, uh, I was designing and building custom guitar effects pedals. Uh, which was a really fun business, but a really, really shitty business. <laughs> um, it was great fun, but uh, it's, it's tough to uh, it's tough to generate a lot of revenue doing that. Um, yeah, and uh, I kind of dropped that in favor of uh, distillation. Uh, so generating which, revenue in distillation is is better, easier. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, oddly, <laughs> shockingly, yes. <laughs> 
I didn't say it was, I didn't say profit was possible here. The profit is much better over there, but uh, the revenue is uh, revenue is very challenging when you're doing a hand built, uh, hand soldered uh, pedals for you know, 250, 300 bucks at a toss. Also, a bigger customer base. Yeah, much bigger. You know, the total pedal business for you know handcrafted pedals is probably in the order of three, four, five million dollars a year, whereas um, the spirits business is uh, quite a bit bigger than five million a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um... so that that was kind of my start is chasing chasing art and creativity, but also family and blood, um, and honor and legacy and all those uh, nebulous terms that may or may not mean a whole lot. You're also a big proponent of grain to glass. And for a lot of I've so I got my start in craft distilleries and then ended up working for one of the largest um, spirits companies in the world. And now I'm working for a smaller brand again. But um, I kind of cut my teeth in a distillery that was grain to glass as well. And it means something different for I've found through the years for everyone. What, what does it really mean to you? Because it's a term that can, I feel can be so meaningless, but so meaningful, you know, just, it depends on who's speaking it. I think whether it's their truth. Yeah. I mean, I think that to me, it's just kind of a reflection of all the smoke and mirrors that there are in distilled spirits. So for me, when you say grain to glass, what it's really meaning is you know, you've got some integrity and you're providing the customer what they think they're buying. Um, I think people are ready, willing, and able to pay more for small batch handcrafted products, but everybody wants to be something that they aren't necessarily. And so for me, grain to glass really just means that you're giving the people what they think they're buying. You know, there's nothing wrong with buying all your product from, say, for example, Dickel and, uh, you know, selling it in a cool package with a cool story. That's perfectly fine. But if people think they're buying a small, you know, a small company handcrafted with, you know, a gangster's recipe or whatever, you know, whatever the marketing story is, I, I don't think that's fair because, you know, people are paying for one thing and getting something else. Um, it's not a reflection of liquid in the glass. It's just a reflection of, uh, to me, it's integrity. And I think that that's one of the things that few really stands for is that integrity um, of we are what we are and we say what we are and we're proud of it. We're not trying to, I'm not throwing shade on anybody that's otherwise, but we are what we are and we're very proud of it. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because it's Fantastic. a it's a discussion that Matt and I in particular bring up over and over and over on the show. Um, he's on the retail side of spirits and I've on the, been always been on the supplier side. And um, this is the first brand that I've worked for that sources. Um, and I have uh, some friends that make another that make. I mean, I love their juice. It's it's sourced. They say that right away. They tell their story as they wanted to have a party and um, like make like how could we just give away our own, make our own labels? It's called Two Bitch Bourbon, and just give it away to guests. It's with both of their dogs on it, tail to tail. And everybody flipped out over it and said, "Well, you should sell this." And so they did. But they're very transparent about we go out and find whiskey we like this is what it is you know um i don't have a problem with that because it's it's a novelty whiskey and they say that up front 
Um, I have a problem with a few brands that um, don't. Easy, easy yeah, on the that work <laughs> Several, several. Should I, not not several. Several brands that um, don't make that. Uh, they're not transparent about the process. And, um, you know, as you guys know, you can have a distillery for eight years and not be able to pump out any brown liquid because, you know, depending on how long you want your whiskey to age, it can take a long time. You can sell vodka, you can sell gin in the meantime, or you can choose to source for a while. And as long as you are always very upfront about that and very transparent about that, I don't think that's a problem. Um, but I do love the grain to glass mentality because it is so connected to so much that we've lost in this country with agriculture. So paying attention to where that grain comes from, being in charge of that process, you're more likely to get grain that's closest to you. Um, I've found in all the years of talking to other distillers and, and interviews, as opposed to just going for the cheapest product. And um, yeah. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, I think um, you know the other thing whiskey. about grain. The other cool thing about grain to glass is you can make something that's really fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, our products don't taste like anybody else's. We don't have to come up with some bullshit about oh, you know, we were claiming around the uh, barrel racks at Dickel and we found these special barrels. Bullshit! You opened up an Excel spreadsheet and ordered the fucking <laughs> and ordered several hundred <laughs> barrels. <laughs> Yeah, we were climbing around the warehouses and we found it in this little nook and cranny over in the, the northwest corner that what? nobody had touched in nobody. 40 years. <laughs> right, because Dickel oh, wouldn't shit. sell that themselves. <laughs> lost, lost barrels? Right. What? Exactly. What? <laughs> Bullshit. You, found, you, you opened up a spreadsheet, you, op- you ordered 500 barrels and you paid for them. That's, what you, that's your barrel picking for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's yeah. not the same thing. No, it's no, it's not the same thing at all. Um, another fantastic thing about grain to glass is that we've revived certain grains and highlighted certain grains that we that have not been highlighted in the past. Um, Empire Rye is such a perfect example. And uh, being a New Yorker myself, I'm so incredibly proud. Um, and I and I am excited to see that happen in other parts of the country, and I have no doubt that it will. But, um, you know, I think that I think the grain to glass mentality is something that people need to learn a little bit more about and pay a little more attention to and, and understand a little bit better. So I'm really glad that you guys are such proponents of that. Makes me very proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I also want to ask you about music because yeah. we're also here to talk about music. So stupid question now, but do you play an instrument? If so, what do you play? Yeah, so I have uh, used to be a professional guitar player. That was one of my interruptions in one of my careers. Uh, I've played guitar now for coming up on 36 years or so. I don't wow. really know. Uh, I've played guitar for certainly the vast majority of my life. It's been one of the most important things I've ever done. Uh, music is really one of the things that made me who or what I am, and uh, I, I love it. Um, big metal head when I was a teenager. I uh, discovered uh, the Grateful Dead and kind of wandered away. But uh, uh, metal. Oh, my is... favorite band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she is, said uh... as she shook her head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see it. 
It's all right. Uh, It's just like few. It's not for everybody, but a few people really like it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, music is super important to me. And, you know, sending you pictures of, you know, my Marshall stack and some cool stuff. You know, uh, I got a picture of the Glenn Cairn resting on the kind of cut away from my main stage guitar. Oh, I got that Um, one. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's music is pretty important. So, um, and I'm going to ask both of you guys this question at some point tonight. What do you think is your, I mean, you mentioned the Grateful Dead, but let's choose something else to talk about <laughs> as your <laughs> gate, your, let's say your gateway to hard music. Let's say it that way. <laughs> yeah. What would be like a gateway music? band or album? Yeah. Um, it would have to either be uh, Shout at the Devil or Ride the Lightning. Um, ha! See you, motherfuckers. You hear what he said? <laughs> We've had this argument before. <laughs> I like which, it. Which argument's that? <laughs> so We've had argument versus the lightning. Oh God! Yeah. So let's not get started down that fucking Ride rabbit hole of don't don't even get. Let's not even go there. <laughs> not tonight. That was a four-part show. It could have been a twenty-part show. Oh, okay. Now I, I mean, know what you're talking about. There. It's a good place to be. Oh God. Well, blood was spilled. There was there was a lot. There was some tears, and they weren't from me. There was some <laughs> yelling and hard feelings, and <laughs> there were a lot oh, of fights and arguments. Nope, nope, nope. I was put in my place. We'll just say that. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, Ed. <laughs> partially, though. Partially. All right. So, Shirley, did you cry? I was on the wrong end of the stick. Chilling did not yeah. cry. <laughs> if I did, I will not admit it in public <laughs> at this time. All right. So, uh, Mark, let's talk to you for a little bit. But before we do that, I, ha- I always have to do this because I, n- I know it's annoying, but it makes me happy. Every time I hear someone's from Texas, I'm always like, oh, yay. The stars at night are big and bright. The of <laughs> oh God, Mark, you are you are filming from the basement of the Alamo right now, right? I was just thinking about the basement of the Alamo. I mean, that's the place that nobody ever gets to go. That would be so perfect. I wonder what the Wi-Fi is like. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's walk through how you also got into the spirits business, and um, so I think. Um, if the internet is accurate, which is, I don't know, who knows, knows. your inspiration came from a trip to Kentucky and an injury. Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, the injury was, was certainly a part of the trip, but, um, I was in Louisville, um, you know, in, in my previous life, uh, you know, like Paul, like most everybody that has gotten into this business, we've come from somewhere else. I was a lobbyist and, um, I was in Louisville, Kentucky at a meeting, and um, I I had broken my ankle playing soccer, and this was the first time that I had kind of, you know, traveled. I was still on crutches, still in a a boot, and I had a really long, excruciating day of travel, and I got to this meeting in Louisville in the evening in the hotel, and my client had some people up having a little happy hour in the room, and I I hobbled in on crutches, and the guy says, you look like you could use a drink. And I said, yes, please. He didn't ask me what I wanted. There was a bar set up in the back. He just kind of poured something and brought it over to me and handed it to me. And it was a, 
clear liquid in a glass of ice, and I tasted it. I, I thought it was probably some kind of fancy vodka or something, but it had a, a, a sort of a unique flavor to it, and I was like, man, this is really, really good. What is it? And it turns out one of the guys, uh, it was his family recipe from just outside of Louisville, completely mm. illicit liquor, uh, something they had been making. They didn't sell it. It was just sort of for family and friends. And uh, if, you know, I'm sure everybody on this podcast has had illegal moonshine before. And some it's of it can be damn never, good. It's typically it's not very good. Correct. It is typically not case, good. It was yes. super good. And I've had some amazing. A few days later, I'm thinking, you know, this stuff is so good. Why doesn't this guy get a permit and sell it? And then, of course, the next logical thought was, why don't I get a permit and sell it? And <laughs> I had been kind of looking for uh, a pathway out of lobbying for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'd, I've done it my whole adult life. And, you know, it gets old after a while. So I got to thinking about it and decided, well, shit, I'm going to do this. Funny thing, what I really wanted to make was rye whiskey, which at the time not very many people were doing. Fast forward, this was almost 10 years ago now. To this day, I've still not made rye whiskey, but it's on, still on my list. <laughs> Just putting that one off. <laughs> So, um, okay, side note, maybe we should redo our Metallica series and have Mark on to argue on my side as my lobbyist, and we would wipe the floor. <laughs> just saying. Hey, no fair. Well, let me just say, of all of the bands in the world, I like Metallica, but they're not really in my top Five. Yeah, but you're a lobbyist. You yeah. don't get to have to like them. You just have to argue well for me. Yeah, fair enough. You have to plead my case. <laughs> Wasn't asking if you liked them. I don't care. <laughs> well, I will say Inner Sandman is a great down oh, no. song. Oh, so much That's for it. that, Sailor. So much for I'm that. leaving. <laughs> I right. need a new lobbyist. Okay. Maybe Thank you, you for, for appearing on today's show, Mark. We appreciate your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make up for it later with much better musical. Um, okay, good. Like, now I'm really excited to hear your list shit. Okay, before we get into that. So, okay, <laughs> you established the Texas Distilled Spirits Association. Is that correct? So, well, it, it helped no. establish. I, but before I had my distillery, because my background is in lobbying and working with trade associations, I recognized the need for something like that here as the industry was, you know, at the time, I think we had 10 or 12 distilleries in business. I actually got a bunch of those guys together to pitch them on the idea of creating it. So um, I had a couple of meetings, had a bunch of guys in my office. I have a couple of funny stories, which probably are not appropriate to tell publicly like this, but um, we eventually got... Uh, some folks together to form the the Texas Distilled Spirits Association. Did I do it? Not necessarily, but was I the person who called everybody together and said, you guys should do it? Yes. Okay, so instrumental. They, it, they told me, you don't have a permit yet, so you can't be a member. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But then I got my <sighs> permit and I joined. So. What year, what, what year did uh, distilling become legal again in Texas? After well, it's never not been illegal, and, okay. and it's kind of a funny. Uh, everybody knows Tito, and uh, mm -hmm. you know Tito 
regardless of what you think about what he's done in the business, um, he is responsible for distilling in Texas. Not sure, because it wasn't legal, but because he went to TABC and said, I want to do this. And nobody had done it since before Prohibition. And they didn't know whether it was legal or not. And they had to go back and really look at the statutes and, and figure out, you know, they didn't have a permit process in place or anything like that. But there wasn't anything to, to keep him from doing it. Are you guys a control state? We are a licensed state. A licensed state, okay. Four tier. <sighs> if only we could have federal regulation. But anyway, yeah. okay. That's so a whole that's a whole other show. That, that's a whole other show we're going to cover yeah. one of these days. Yeah. I would have loved to have you guys back about that because I have I start I have lived and operated in control states I now I'm in two control states that have totally different rules and laws and then one non-control state that recently lifted from being a control state and it's just and I experienced um I what I experienced was the neat was the reason why the American Craft Spirit Association was created and why it's so fucking crucial especially if you are a small distillery in a control state, we had to fight every year. We had to fight to be able to give out a sample in our distillery. Can you imagine you're a distiller and people can come tour your distillery? That's perfectly legal, but you can't give them even a tiny little sip of what you're making. That had to change. Quick funny story about that. Um, even in Texas, a number of years ago, uh, Dan Garrison when there were probably five or six distilleries, had the chairman of TABC out to his distillery and was showing him around. And um, the guy went to um, to take a taste of the the white dog off of the still. And Dan stopped and said, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. That's illegal. The guy didn't know it. Um, and that was sort of the impetus to getting that law changed in Texas so that we could give samples at the distillery. Um, I think things like that are problems everywhere. Every state. Absolutely. And as, and that's, you know, for the, for the, the public, I think they think, oh, prohibition ended and everything just restarted again. And you have to teach people that know it was state by state in some places, county by county, like for example, counties that are still dry. It was what type of regulation, how, who's going to regulate it? What's allowed? What wasn't? I mean, in Ohio, I went through the process of, we could not give out any spe- we any tastings then we could give tastings then you had to have a bond you had to have a bond area to sell your whiskey you know we have you're forced to ship everything to the state warehouse so imagine you make your whiskey you bottle it up you got to ship it to the state warehouse and they're going to ship it back to you to sell it in your own store at your distillery so you're paying for the freight fees you're paying for the storage fees and you're you're a little family that has just you know put everything on the line to make spirits that's very expensive especially if they're aged um and you have to fight for these things you know can you self-distribute beer can distribute in the state well why can't spirits you know um can you have a tasting so for those of you listening that go to your local liquor store and there's somebody like me there offering a tasting. Can you do that? Can you not? Well, in the state of Washington, it depends on if you have food or not. Weirdly, if you have food, you can't have tastings. If you don't have food, you can. Totally bizarre. So um, I just wanted to give a little, I, I just wanted to kind of shout out, and I try to do this as much as I can, how important the Craft Spirits Association is and why an entity like that helps 
and you guys have been fighting a bill recently. Um, it's ongoing. You got an, did you get an extension or was it approved for a certain period of time? We got a one year extension and one I got to give Paul props for uh, being a part of the group that made ACSA happen. Cause you did that, yeah. my brother. <laughs> props uh, to you, so Paul. Many people. It wasn't just me or many of us, but uh, maybe even a few of us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> How many puns can uh, we make? Get it in everywhere you can, man. More than a few. <laughs> so, no, but ACSA, ACSA is vitally important. I mean, I know, uh, like when I started up, when Mark started up, uh, there wasn't shit for resources. Like learning how to do stuff was not, you know, there were no books. There's nobody to go talk to. There's one thing you could do, you could read, like, uh, you know the you know the CFR, but you know that's not it's not even written in English. It's, or the practical guide to distilling <laughs> um, from like wasn't that the late teen seventeen hundreds? It was written. I love that. Right. I do too. Favorite. I own it. I do too. Uh, but still, well, not super helpful on a day to day basis. No. But it's great, yeah. great. Or with a column still, right. if you have modern equipment. <laughs> right. So there's and there's like academic stuff you can go read, but that's generally too detailed. Like there's nowhere to go to learn this stuff. So I mean, I really. You know, guys who were early had nowhere to go. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, I think it's really important to have a place like ACSA where it's by distillers, it's for distillers, it's not a for-profit entity, like no one's taking home money from it. Um, you know, it's by us and for us. And I, I think that's super important that there is a place that we can all go to learn, make each other better. Um <laughs> Yeah, Lord it's knows vital. We have plenty. We have, we have a plenty of good times, but uh, you know, we also get an awful lot done. And you can look at what's happened in the last uh, six, seven years under the ACSA and go, "Wow, we've, you know, we've made a difference." Um, ranging from FET relief and parity to you know even getting uh, TTB to open up a comment period for new regs. Uh, last time, last time there were comments was in the early '60s, and so, now. Uh, <laughs> Now we're going to get a chance to have some more revisions, and it's you know it's I think it's really important, and it's testament to guys like Mark, who are uh, uh, professional and understand a lot more stuff than you know morons like me could do. Um, so it's uh, it's a I think ACSA is a really special place. You need both brains. You need the left brain and the right brain equally to do something like this, and um, you know you. you I say this all the time on social media as much as I possibly can, you know, you need as much as you love all the big, you know, well-known brands and I've got shelves full of them. We all do. And they're wonderful and fantastic. But I tell everyone, go find your little craft distillery that's near you that may not, maybe they don't make anything good right now, but keep going back, keep visiting them, keep checking on them because, you know, you mentioned Tito's. There are other names that started off very, very small. Nobody knew who the hell they were. You know, in their infancy, they may have gotten trash. They were garbage, whatever. You know, you'd never know, A, who you're talking to and who you're speaking with, but also understand <laughs> the respect level uh, that that distillers and people who own Spirits Brand should get because it is one. Of, and I come from the music business also. The spirits business can be brutal for unforgiving, but it can also be, to me, the most beautiful entity in the world. 
um, but it's very hard to get started in. So hats off to all the distillers in our country, um, you know, that really you're starting from scratch. And, you know, the big boys that were able to restart after prohibition, you know, it was a pretty insulated community and didn't really want to let people in and didn't really want to share the knowledge, you know. They had a giant market share of what, you know, American spirits were and fair enough, but uh, it's guys like you that have made it possible for everyone who loves their local distilleries to to be and th- hopefully thrive for years and years to come. So you thanks to local, you guys. Yeah, you may have a local Thank distillery you. near you and you don't even know it. You have exactly. to go, go search them out. This yep. happened to me. Um, I grew up in DeKalb, Illinois, spent most of my life there, went to school there. And a few years ago, I just happened to search around for uh, distilleries, and lo and behold, Whiskey Acres in DeKalb, yeah, Illinois, Nick's a good dude. came up. Yeah, Nick Nagili. Um, mm-hmm. He yeah, and I hit dude. it off really good. Yeah, love Nick. Um, turns out his his best friend's parents live across the street from me. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was that was my gateway to uh, craft whiskey. I discovered Whiskey Acres, and Nick talked to me turned me on to the whole uh idea of um grain to glass estate distilling and they got a wonderful operation out there and i try to support them however i can so uh yeah kudos to you guys for carrying the torch and and doing so that's a challenge to all of our listeners before we move on to the music um we would love for you to go out and do a google and find out who what your local distillery is you may only have a distillery for example um near me in northern Idaho is up north distillery and they make brandy and they make mead distilled mead honey spirit where they're working on getting that officially right isn't they're work, still working on that making that an official spirit category honey spirit they do a beautiful job they're very hard working um it's a husband and wife team and Hillary is a vice president of the um, Idaho Craft Spirit Association or Guild. I can't remember what it's called. Um, And they make gorgeous spirits, gorgeous. They still have their day jobs. They work very hard. They mortgage their lives to start this distillery. They work so hard. It's super beautiful. They are aging whiskey, which is really exciting. And I've tasted it and we've agreed to put it back and let it rest, continue to rest for a little bit longer. Um, But please do a search. Go find your local craft distilleries. Send us photos, tag us in the photos, and I will personally send you some goodies in the mail. So go support your craft distilleries. Um, Before we get into our battle and my pairing, real quick, Mark, do you play an instrument? Um, I do not. Um, In fact, I like to think that I'm probably the only person in Austin, Texas that is not (laughs) That does not play in a band. You might be right. Um, I did play when I was a kid, and I did. I I I tell this frequently when. Well, I don't offer it, but when asked, I only have so far one real regret in life, and that is that when I was a kid, I quit taking piano lessons because oh, as, a, yeah. as, a, as a you know a sixth grade guy, it Me just too. wasn't cool. But as an adult, it is the thing that I regret most about my childhood. Um, I have toyed with and talked to a friend of mine who is a musician and, and, and teaches um, for several years about maybe picking up and, and learning to play the bass. And 
one day do I, it. one day I'll do it, but I just do I, it. I have no talent. You should do it. Do it. Do it tomorrow. Yeah. But it's kind of on my list. This this here, I'm teaching myself this bass right here because I've noodled around with guitar my whole life. I'm a pretty I'm a really shitty guitar player, but I mean, well, who cares? I bang my head with the best of them, but I'm not really uh, sure hey, that I have any talent for an instrument. Shelly, grab it, grab a bass, and you and I will go do open mic in uh, Portland in uh, a month or so. Uh, by the Let's way, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there Excellent. with Excellent. you guys, and I'm going to host a happy hour for everybody. So um, nice. I'm going to bring my bass, Mark. Oh, okay. And we're going to make this happen. So Paul, bring your guitar. I don't think I'm going to have time to learn anything between now and then. I do know that every good boy does fine, though. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm really more of a three chord kind of rock and roller. I you can't can read music, but I can. Bass I can and head three bang, chords. So you can do it. There, you can do the bass and three. Read, Here's I the mean, problem with the bass. I don't think that I could stand up there with a band and concentrate on keeping a bass line intact during. Uh, you know. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, That's why I like the guitar. Three chords in the truth, man. What? Three chords in the off, truth. That's like, all you need. In, in, we'll just you play know. the Ramones. We'll just do the there Ramones. You, <laughs> you can't go wrong with the Ramones. Right. I'm down for that. <laughs> okay, so what would you say is your gateway into rock or hard music, um, a band or an album or a moment? Um, I don't know if I can get it down to a moment, but the album is absolutely ACDC Highway to Hell. Nice yeah, choice. Yeah. I like it. And, okay. you know, until tonight when you asked Paul that question, I'd never really thought about what that gateway album or band was. It's just kind of, you know, those things have always been there. And ACDC, as we get into the discussion, if you don't know me already, you will find out that is by far my, my number one. I mean, what's rock without the noise, right? Would you say you're more of a Bon Scott guy uh, than a Brian Johnson you guy? Beat, well, why don't we to get to that when we... <laughs> let's wait, let's wait till we... Yeah, because yeah. we've done that too on the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let's take a musical break for a second, and then I'm going to do my whiskey segment. And we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about, which I'm going to save for a minute. Put your waistcoat on, I'm coming into town. Okay, so it wouldn't be a metal rock and whiskey episode without a whiskey pairing. And that responsibility fell on me tonight. So, Paul, I'm glad you're sitting down because um, <laughs> you, you might, you might want a blanket and a fuzzy toy because I'm going to hit all the feels right now. Or not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, he looks pretty comfortable already. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, as he pulls out his blanket. <laughs> so one of my, so we each week we all take turns, and we will pair a whiskey with the subject of the show. And sometimes we wax poetic. Sometimes it's I don't know. It's different every time. We all have our favorites that we've done. We all have our favorites that every, the other has done. My favorite was uh, when I paired Glenfiddich 12 with Rush. And we re-released that when we did our Neil Peart tribute last the last two weeks. Um, so this might come close. We'll see what you guys think. Matt and I, you tell me. So here we go. All right. So tonight I'm like, I'm going to have to do a few pairing tonight because otherwise I would be an asshole. Do I want to do a few pairing? I don't know. So I thought about it, thought about it. And I decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it literal. So when I went to Fuse website to begin my research, I always start on the uh, supplier's website. Right away, I clicked on the website and a bold statement caught my eye. And it immediately resonated with me. It said, quote, Southern tradition, meat, Northern rye. And I was blown away. It was a bit like the first time I heard Metallica in the early 80s. And I would even go as far to say it reminded me of the first time I really looked at myself and knew exactly who I was. Tattooed, ex-ballerina, New Englander, but New Yorker also, opera going. Greek American, whiskey lover, and metalhead. I seemed to be myself a contradiction in terms, but now I think of myself as a whole product, pretty damn cool. That's how I felt about this statement on Fuse website. And then it goes on to say, the spirit distilled through timeless liquor making techniques uses a three grain recipe that infuses generations of Southern tradition with the spiciness of Northern rye and a touch of malt for smoothness. And I mean, I'm like, I was made through a timeless technique. My <laughs> recipe is a mix <laughs> of Greek, Scottish, and Jewish, sort of like the three-grain recipe. And I definitely have northern spice. And I think also some of the southern smoothness. So I would say this bourbon pairs well with me. How does it pair <laughs> with the metal? The bourbon just is fucking metal. 93 proof, aged under four years, small batch, small barrels, award winning. The nose, candy and wood and toasted coconut. The palate, brown sugar, marzipan, caramelized banana, milk chocolate, peach custard, lemon sorbet, and what a mouthfeel. Gorgeous viscosity and just super smooth with a long finish just like listening to your favorite song. So, damn, Paul, your bourbon <laughs> is killer. Thank you. So that was my choice tonight to pair with our subject, which brings me to our subject of the night. When Paul and I were speaking about him being on the show, I said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Because Neil Peart had just passed away. I said, we're going to be doing a tribute and a little Rush revival. And he said, you know, I would really like to talk about, like, what if you made up an ultimate band, but they all have to be dead? And I was like, okay, I like it. 
I like it. Let's do it. And so that's what we're doing. We're each going to reveal our favorite deceased musicians, create a band out of them, and argue and defend why that would be the ultimate band. But wait. We're out of time. So, my friends, you're going to have to wait until next week. (laughs) Cliffhanger! Oh, heavy word on the cliff there, huh? Oh, oh, shit. Oh, boy. I like it. We, great minds think alike. So, Matt, (laughs) I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Thanks for sticking around, listeners. As always, we hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did, as much as we hope our guests enjoyed it. And as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as Metal Rock and Whiskey. And we also have a super cool Facebook group under Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. Please ask to join that and follow us individually. You can find me on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E Sailor. You can find me everywhere as Sailor Retro. They can find me on Instagram as Bourbon Geek. And uh, hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, we'll take that too. Please hit that subscribe button on any podcast app of your choice. Give us a review. It really does matter. And of course, tune in next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey where all will be revealed. And where can we find you, Mark, on the socials? Um, You can find me at Shillingcrafted on Instagram, but I'm a really, I'll just say, I'm a really shitty Instagrammer. <laughs> but you're a great, you're great at tweeting, because that's how we became friends. I'm actually not very good at tweeting yes, either. Yes, you but are. I've been, I've been working on it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Game Fair enough. A little bit. Paul, what how you, about you? you? <laughs> well, I'm not as handsome as Mark, but uh, we've got a few spirits on the Instagrams and on the Facebooks, and then personally... Uh, Paul M is in Michael Holetko on the Instagram for uh, my personal stuff. So P A U L M H L E T K O. All right. Well, I guess there's nothing left to say, but fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>